Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are no shortage of images in our minds of what heaven and hell look like. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably even sent people to one place or the other in our own minds on our wish lists. But we're not going to talk about that. Today we are asking the question, what about heaven and hell? And this is the seventh question in our sermon series called Hard Questions for Jesus. How did we get all of these different ideas and images in our minds of what heaven and hell look like? And are what we think of heaven and hell, are these pictures actually accurate with what Jesus teaches us in the scriptures? Well, let's take a look and let's lay our assumptions out on the table as we begin. What do we usually picture when we think of heaven? I would imagine many people, probably some of you sitting here, if I were to ask you to draw a picture of heaven, you'd probably grab the white crayon, <laughs> right? Probably lots of white and maybe some golden streets and flecks of gold here and there. Some of you probably imagine some sort of version of whatever the pearly gates are, maybe. Maybe some of you sitting here imagine and picture angels with halos and wings floating on clouds and playing harps. I don't know. Maybe that's what you think. And if I were to ask you, you know, what in your minds are the kind of people who get to go to this place? I think a lot of you sitting here would probably say, well, the ones who believe in Jesus. However, there may be some of you sitting here, and I know that people sitting out there would probably answer, oh, who goes to heaven? Those who are really good. That's who goes there. <laughs> So are these pictures that we have of heaven, is this, is this true? Is this accurate? Well, kind of, but not completely. Here's the deal, though. There is so much to say, so much I could say when it comes to the realities of heaven and hell and what the scriptures teach us about these things, so much so that I, I need to split this between this week and next week. So if you're only here this week, well, you can tune in online next week and, and get the rest. But here's the deal. Today, we're mostly going to deal with the reality that hell exists. As much as I don't want to spend much time on that, we need to. And next week, we will deal much more with heaven and the wonderful eternal life that God has created and prepared for us who believe in Jesus Christ. Because next week, we will ask the question, what happens to Christians after they die? <laughs> That's coming next week. So what about hell? What do you picture when you think of hell? I would imagine people think of something dark, dingy, fiery. In the darkest sense, you probably picture the devil ruling that place in the evilest sense, whatever that looks like. Dante's Inferno, a book written in the Middle Ages, pictured hell as this deep pit with concentric circles, and there at the bottom was the devil gnawing on Judas, the betrayer for all of eternity. 
pretty nasty image. And those who read that in the Middle Ages oftentimes were forced into repentance. But where do we get all these images? Many times we don't like to think of the terrors that hell is, and so popular culture has tamed the image of hell so much that we picture the devil as the little guy in the red spandex jumpsuit with the pointy tail and the, uh, and the pitchfork, and that's what we think. You know, it's just, it's too terrible to even think about, so we decide not to. We have plenty of images in our minds of what heaven and hell look like. And I think probably they're so ingrained in your minds, whatever that picture is, and it's been influenced in so many ways, whether it be the scriptures or the videos, the movies, the books you've read, the things that you've seen to get the image in your mind. I'm not under the impression that in the next 15 minutes I can unwire all those pictures in your mind and rewire them correctly. But my goal today is to simply bring the biblical truth to you that heaven is real and that hell is real. So when it comes to hell, we believe that it is real. It is a real place. Why do we believe this? Because the scriptures attest to it, and most specifically, Jesus does. Jesus does. I could point out a lot of places. Here's one example of Jesus speaking in Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Jesus says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. Where that word hell is in the, in the red, uh, the Greek word there is the word Gehenna. Gehenna refers to a place called the Valley of Hinnom. I know you probably can't see this map in all the detail, but this is a map of Jerusalem with the city walls where the red circle is. There are some words there, and it says the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was just a valley on the southern slope outside of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, the Valley of Hinnom was a place that bad, evil Israelite kings offered child sacrifices to please the false god Molech. Bad Israelite kings like Ahaz and Manasseh. They offered child sacrifices there. King Josiah, when he became king of Israel, he reformed that practice and cleaned things up a bit. Most scholars attest to the fact that this valley on the southern side of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus was likely something like the garbage dump. Um, and, and likely there was a, a fire burning there, burning that refuse all of the time. And so in the minds of Jewish people and for those living in Jerusalem at that time, when Jesus speaks about Gehenna as hell, this is a very poignant graphic image to them of what an eternal punishment could look like. So Jesus believed that there would be an eternal punishment for those who reject the free gift of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Jesus believed this. But this is one of those questions that is so hard for us. So hard for us. A lot of people really wrestle with this question. How could a loving God send someone to a place 
called hell if it is so bad? How could a loving God do this? Scripture is clear. Hell is real, and it is every bit as terrifying as we imagine. It is so gut-wrenchingly horrible that people often come to the conclusion (laughs) it just can't exist. That sounds way too bad. How could a God who loves his creation send any part of his creation to a place of eternal punishment? Nobody likes to think about this. Frankly, I don't really like the fact that I'm preaching about it today, to be honest with you. Nobody likes to deal with this reality. I don't. But here's the deal. It is necessary for us to know the truth and to believe the truth. See, people generally think this. I know it's pervasive out in the world, but it also influences a lot of Christian thinking. A lot of people think this. If God is a loving God, then everyone should just be able to go to heaven. This is not a new idea. This idea has been around for a very long time. It's the idea called universalism. Now, universalism can mean a number of different things, but when you apply it to the truth of Christianity, if somebody's a universalist in Christianity, they would kind of say that everybody gets to go to heaven no matter what you believe. And I don't know, because they believe this, their image and vision of what heaven is is obviously distorted, and they just say, whatever you believe, it doesn't matter. You probably get to go there. Now, universalism, that's a very popular and attractive idea for people for a number of reasons. Let me give you two. Universalism is a popular idea for a lot of people because hell is such a terrifying idea that it's too much to handle and nobody wants to. So a lot of people think it's more comforting to just simply say, God would never do that. God would never do that. But universalism on the second is also attractive because it lets us off the hook, right? If you believe in universalism, you kind of say, well, I don't have to worry about me. I don't have to worry about you. You're fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. No one's going to hell. So for a lot of people, this is an attractive idea. And because that's such a pervasive thinking, many Christians don't take hell too seriously, We have a hard time understanding it, and the parts of it that we do understand, we really don't like to think about. But the Bible's explicit, hell exists, Jesus says so. What exactly will it be like? We don't know. I gave you that one image of the the valley of Hinnom, this refuse pit burning. But Jesus also uses the descriptive language, quoting from the book of Isaiah, that says there in hell the worm will not die and the fire is unquenchable. That also sounds pretty nasty. We don't know exactly what it will look like, but plain and simple, here's the truth. Hell, what it is, is it is an eternal separation from God. Plain and simple. An eternal separation from God. If God is love and God is creator, and God is good and the provider and creator of all good things. If this is who God is, and heaven is the place where God is, so heaven is the place where God is and where good is and where love is, hell is the absence of all of that. Maybe not even the opposite, the absence. So hell is not good. 
It is not good. Hell is not a, a good thing. But it is a reality, and it is the fate of those who reject the free gift of Jesus Christ. So then we ask the question, who is it then that deserves hell? Who has rejected Jesus far enough that they deserve hell? I think if you ask a lot of people, they'd probably point to the worst people, the bad actors. People probably say, well, hell is for Hitler, hell is for Stalin, hell is for Saddam Hussein, and hell is also for a couple of those people on my list (laughs) that are going to remain nameless at this point. But you know the worst people, right? Could a loving God really send people to eternal separation from him? Let me just say it like this. God does not arbitrarily send people to hell. God does not just go around and go, oh, you're bad, you're going to hell. You're good, you're making it, you're bad. That's not how God operates. That's not what the scriptures talk about. Ultimately and plainly, if you were to say, who deserves to go to hell? Here's the question, or here's the answer. Those who have chosen it. Those who have chosen it. Those who have chosen to go there. So it's not so much as God saying, you are going to hell, as it is God confirming the choice of those who have rejected the free gift of Jesus Christ. See, when you reject the free gift, you don't receive it. And when you reject the free gift, you're saying, I would rather have things my own way. I want to do what I want to do. I don't really care what you say, God. They choose hell for themselves. Now, we could very easily say, okay, that's what Hitler did. That's what Stalin did. That's what all the worst people do. But if we are honest, if this is the classification for what's deserving of hell, rejecting God and turning to your own way, If that's what gets somebody to hell, we need to be honest and we need to realize that's what we all do. Every one of us. The Bible has a word for this. It's called sin. Sin. What is sin? It is rejecting what God offers freely and saying, I want to do what I want to do. That is by nature sin. It is everywhere. It's part of my life. It's part of your life. It's part of the world's life. And the Bible is very clear about the penalty for sin. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is is death. And Paul's not just talking about a physical death being buried in the ground. He is talking about an eternal death, an eternal condemnation. Sin deserves hell. This is the deal. The one who sins must die eternally, the scriptures are saying. And so the truth of the matter that we need to come to grips with is that every human deserves hell. I know it sounds harsh, but it's true. We've often chosen that own reality, that reality for ourselves, rejecting God's will for our lives, not receiving the free gift and turning to our own ways. So here are the two realities that we have. We have sin, and sin deserves punishment. It deserves hell. This is what the Bible says. But the Bible also says that God is our loving Father who does not want to punish us. As a matter of fact, as I've emphasized multiple times, God desires that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So sin deserves punishment, 
but God is our loving Father. He doesn't want to punish us. So what will it be? Will I get condemnation or will I get forgiveness? And the answer, plain and simple, is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our problem. Jesus is the answer. He is the solution to sin and death and hell. I read for you the first part of Romans 6.23, but this is the rest of it. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It costs us nothing. Eternal life is free. Jesus says, I pay for you. And what do we get? We get eternal life, not eternal death, eternal life. And this is almost so good that we would say that's almost too good to be true. No, 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 God, I don't deserve, I deserve to be punished. And Jesus says, but I won't let you. I won't let you. It's already done. It is finished. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, this is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. What does this mean? It means that in Christ, God took on sin. God in Christ became the sin bearer of the world. All of the sins of the world were heaped upon him. Jesus was punished for the sins of the world. He endured your sins on the cross, scorning its shame. He was literally condemned by the Father for the sins of the world. Jesus is our answer. He's the one who sets us free. And if we're free, we're free indeed. God gives us this as a gift, a free gift. Jesus has accomplished it all for you. Your ticket has been punched. Your way is prepared. Even though you deserve rejection, you are redeemed. Even though you deserve death, you get life. Even though sin leads to hell, you get heaven. Don't reject the gifts he offers. Instead, receive them. Receive his grace. Receive his love. Receive the forgiveness of your sins that Jesus says, I want you to have. Here it is. Rest in my mercy and my grace for you. My friends, you do not have to worry or fear hell. You don't have to think and worry, am I going to go to hell? When you believe in Jesus, you will not. I promise you this. Let me paint the image for you one last way. See, when we believe in Jesus, we are alive in Jesus. This is what we say at St. Peter and Paul, how the Bible talks. We are alive in who? Christ. Literally, in him. So if we are in Christ, alive in him, where is Jesus? Not in hell. He's in heaven. When I asked that question at the early service, you know you ask these rhetorical questions at some point, I said, where is Jesus? A kid shouted out, in heaven! And I said, amen! 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 When you are alive in Christ, you are alive in him. And where is he? He's in heaven. 
Heaven invades the earth, my friends, in Jesus Christ our Lord. The kingdom of heaven invades the earth. And there is so much more that I can talk about, and I will next week. So you got to come back. Here's the deal. I'm going to be someplace much warmer next week, um, a place called Houston, Texas. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm going to be at a conference down there. We'll have some other people leading the worship, but I will be here leading the sermon. And if you've never been with us when that's happened, you're saying, how is he going to do that? Well, maybe you'll have to come back and find out. All right. Heaven has been purchased and won for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have no fear. Have no worry. Rest in the grace and the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's yours now and forever in his name. Amen. Amen.